Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If Jesus is instructing you to do something in your life, one of the reasons you can trust him is because he already knows what's ahead. And he already knows who you're going to encounter. He already knows the questions that are going to be asked of you. He already knows these things. And if we just stop and chill out for a second and just kind of hang out with him, he'll even supply you with the answers you need at the right time. Are you trusting Jesus for what lies ahead? As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he teaches you to lean into the Lord more. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character never changes, which means that he's completely trustworthy. God knows the end from the beginning. Therefore, Pastor James encourages you to put your trust into what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Know that the Lord understands what's needed. Trust that he is equipping you for all that you're going to need in him. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Luke, chapter 19, as Pastor James begins his message, The Triumphal Entry. Jesus is God. Make no mistake about it. He is God. And on this day, Passover is, the Passover celebration is, it's going to, it's kicking off. And on this day is when he's supposed to ride into Jerusalem. Interesting fact, on this same day, all the lambs for Passover are being slain. Okay? So as the Lamb of God, as John would, John in John's gospel, John chapter 1 would say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, as he is making his entrance into this city, not for the first time, but for this day, on this, in, 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 on this day in history, all the lambs that were made were for, were for the Passover sacrifice were being slaughtered on this day as the Lamb of God is waking his way into Jerusalem. Just so you kind of have some back, background there, and you kind of understand the, the temperature, so to speak, of what he's riding into. The city is, it's alive with activity. It's alive with activity. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been over to Israel during one of their uh, festivals or holidays. Man, the, the place comes alive. I was there uh, for Purim, um, you know, from Esther. I was there for that, uh, and that was amazing. It was so cool just to see all the people, just the spirits were really high and kids, for whatever reason, with Purim, uh, you know, they have, their little, uh, they have their little cookies and all that stuff, but the kids are kind of dressed up in costumes and everybody's just celebrating. They're, I mean, the, you know, it's just, it's fun. The atmosphere is like, it's contagious, you know, you get there and you're like, I don't even really know what's all going on, but I want to party. Like, I want to be here with you guys. Like, let's go for it. That's what Passover is like. The city is alive, and you have all these people coming from all over to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and here is the Lamb of God going to make his way into Jerusalem. And the, the, one of the saddest realities behind this whole story is nobody has a clue. Nobody has a clue what's going on. The only person in the story who knows what's going on is Jesus. Everybody else misses it. Okay, so let's, let's read through this little story. It's a small one. 
Verse 28 says, I'm going to read from New Living Translation, just so, you, just so you know. It says, after telling this story, that's the parable of the 10 servants, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the, uh, on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead, and so he tells them to go into the village over there. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt or... Why are you stealing this donkey? That would be the James Grizzle uh, translation. Just say, the Lord needs it, okay? So just so we understand culturally too, during Passover week, uh, and as you have you know, people coming from all, from all over, uh, those who dwelt in and around Jerusalem were encouraged to be a little extra hospitable, okay, to some of these, sorry, to some of these travelers. So... If somebody comes by and they need to borrow your donkey, well, just let them borrow the donkey. It's going to be okay, right? And they're like, yeah, you probably come from far away. Here's my donkey. What, are, what else do you need? It, very hospitable, very open, and very just, again, everybody's in this mode of it's Passover. We're excited. We're celebrating. So Jesus tells his two disciples, he's like, look, go into this village. Oh, and, and there's this donkey. Nobody's ever ridden on this thing. Go ahead and grab that. And when somebody does ask you about it, because they're going to, just tell them that the Lord needs it. Jesus already knew about the donkey. He already knew about the place. He already knew about the people who owned the donkey. He already knew that they were going to ask the question. And he provided his disciples with a good answer to the question. This, we may blow right past this, but I, I would just, just use this to encourage yourself, myself. If Jesus is instructing you to do something in your life, one of the reasons you can trust him is because he already knows what's ahead. And he already knows who you're going to encounter. He already knows the questions that are going to be asked of you. He already knows these things. And if we just stop and chill out for a second and just kind of hang out with him, He'll even supply you with the answers you need at the right time. If I was one of these disciples, I'd be like, wait, what? Like, I got to go get a donkey? Okay. I mean, you know, am I going to get in trouble for this? That's what I would be thinking. Like, I'm just not that that type of person where I'm just going to walk up and steal and, you know, take somebody's donkey away. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm way more timid in that sense. And, but he's like, no, look, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to I'm going to lay it out clearly for you. I want you to go into that village, go and find that one specific donkey, and when they ask you, here's what you say. That's just a good reminder for us that the Lord is trustworthy. Trustworthy when he's leading you and directing you. You can sweat and stress like I do when I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't, I, I don't know if that's going to work out. I don't think that's going to work out. And he's like, just go get the donkey. I don't, but what if, what if, what, just go get the donkey, right? And that's maybe a good thing you can, that's something that can stick in your brain and in your heart. If the Lord's telling you to do something, just go get the donkey, okay? Just go get it. Just go get it. Don't worry. Somebody's going to ask you, why are you doing that? Just let him, let him speak to you, okay? Let him give you the right words at the right time. But in this story, if they ask, he knew they were going to ask, if they ask, just say the Lord needs it. And they let him take it. They let him take it. I'm sure, in case you're wondering, you're probably not, but in case you are, I'm sure the donkey was brought back. Okay? All right? 
So you're like, wait, are these, is Jesus like, is this like Grand Theft Donkey? Like, what are we talking about here? Did he ever, what happened to the donkey? I'm sure it was delivered back, okay? I'm sure it's fine. If you're worried about that, you need to relax a little bit, okay? You need to, we got to learn to move on, okay? Don't get lost in the details. Um, it's not that big of a deal. But here's what's cool about this little donkey. It's never been ridden. Sometimes with these animals, the ones that had never been ridden were specifically suited for holy purposes, set aside for holy purposes. That's the significance of one that has never been ridden before. Personally, I don't think I want to ride on the back of a creature that has never been ridden before because I'm like, well, what if it throws me off, right? I have very limited, very limited experience with horses. Any horse that I have ridden on, and yes, I have ridden on horses, they're well-trained, and they're trained and conditioned to not throw this guy off, okay? Because that's the deal we have, right? They're big creatures. They're very powerful. Um, I will gladly ride on their backs as long as we haven't this, we're copacetic about like, you don't throw me off, and I won't kick you or anything like that, right? We'll just go down this trail. Jesus is like, no, get the one that's never been ridden, thus highlighting the fact that this is a very significant moment within history, this is a holy thing. The other thing about this riding on a donkey, or some translations would say a donkey or colt, or they even say the, the mama was brought with it. Roman soldiers who were victorious in battle would ride into town on a donkey. On a donkey, usually, right? And we're like, well, no, it should be like a white stallion and all that stuff. There's, uh, there's some historical accounts of those who have been victorious in battle, and they, when they return home, they ride in on a donkey, thus signifying their, their victory, that they were victorious. Now, there are others who come in with pomp, you know, and there's parading and all that stuff, and they want to impress you how important they are. They're on the, wild, they're on the white stallions and all that good stuff. But there's some commanders in the army and, and soldiers when they come back from the battle, thus displaying an element of victory, even just having survived, will ride into town on, a, on the back of a donkey. And everybody would understand that this person is victorious, victorious. So there's a lot there between even just Jesus and this little donkey. He's communicating a lot visually. He doesn't have to say anything because just the simple fact that now, there's a lot of people coming into Jerusalem. So here's where we, we need to have some understanding of this. When you visualize this story, you can't just visualize Jesus and his own little parade because that's not how it was. Jesus, even more than likely, Jesus was not the only person riding into Jerusalem on a donkey either, okay? And sometimes in my brain, I like to, I visualize this as like, okay, so there's like one road leading into Jerusalem. That's not true. There's, there's, there's other roads leading into Jerusalem, but there's just one huge parade and it's all for Jesus. And he's the only one riding into town on a donkey on this day and all that stuff. Well, that's not technically true. We don't know how many people actually rode into Jerusalem on this day on donkeys. They don't matter to the extent of Jesus has already checked off all the Messiah check boxes, okay? He's, got, he's coming in with, evidence that he is, if, any, if we notice anybody riding on a donkey coming into Jerusalem on this day, he's the one we need to pay attention to. Because it was just last week that he, wrote, that he raised a dead guy from the grave. That story about Lazarus was circulating within these crowds on this day. 
That's partly why so many people were looking for Jesus. They wanted to see the guy who raised somebody from the dead three days after they had been dead, which for the Hebrew culture, you, you always wait three days after somebody has died to actually pronounce them as dead. So that would happen for Lazarus, and that's going to happen for Jesus. But so there was this buzz about Jesus. Everybody had heard the stories about the one who could heal the blind, who can um, help those who, you know, who, who couldn't speak, then now they can speak, cast out demons and, and cured and healed all sorts of diseases and all that good stuff. Everybody was looking forward to that guy showing up. And so there were crowds there, there were people, but there's a lot of activity going on in Jerusalem on this day, all right? So just so you understand, you know, there's Jesus, and it, the story's going to tell us that, you know, they get the donkey, and they're, they're paving the way for him. I, I say all that just so we have a little bit more understanding of the people, the crowds who are like, not, because you, you're going to hear it, and you, I'll, I'll say it, I've said it in the past, where the same ones who shout Hosanna are the same ones who shout crucify him, and that's true, that's true. But I also want us to understand culturally that on this day, as Jesus is riding in, I mean, there's just a ton of activity going on. So people are getting swept up and caught up into the excitement and momentum and just totally clueless as to what's actually going on. And I say that because there's a danger of that happening in the church today. A lot of excitement, a lot of stuff happening, and people get caught up into this thing, and we're celebrating something that we don't even know what's going on. That, that can happen even today. What happened on this day, triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, is a threat to us each and every Sunday as well. That we can get caught up in the circumstances and the celebration and all that stuff. And who are we celebrating? I don't know. But it, it, doesn't it feel electric in here? Doesn't it? I mean, we can get lost in all that same stuff. So I want to, I just want to communicate that to you guys, just so you understand that. As he's riding up, there is a ton of celebration, but most of the people have no idea what they're even celebrating. They have no clue. So they got the donkey, right? Verse 32, they went out, find the, found the colt, just as he had said, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, there were, they, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. And so they brought the colt to Jesus, put their garments, threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowds uh, spread out their garments on the roads. Now, technically, in, in the Greek, the crowds is speaking more so of the disciples, okay, just so you understand that. Were other people in the crowd doing the same thing? Probably. But again, getting caught up in the thing of like, oh, you're throwing down your coat? Oh, this is something we do for people who are of royalty. This is somebody important. And so I just saw that dude throw down his jacket, so why? I'm going to put down mine too because we should do this, right? Yes, you should. So they're laying down their jackets. They're making the way. They're going to get these palm branches and all this stuff. They're spreading out the garments on the road. Verse 37, when he reached the place where the road started down the, down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers, his disciples, began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. All right, so going, coming down from the Mount of Olives, if you can just visualize this, the Mount of Olives is you would be looking directly, I think it's the Eastern Gate, which is all sealed up. It's funny because they don't want Jesus showing back up, and so they, they had this idea of like, well, let's just, let's just seal up the gate. That'll keep them out. And I'm like, that's the silliest thing ever, but okay. Um, you, can, you can sit on the Mount of Olives and look 
I mean, directly down at that gate. And, and at that gate, the, the Dome of the Rock is just right over here to your left. The Temple Mount is, is up there as well. But he is, he's going to go from this road, which is not that far. It's just right out, literally right outside the city walls and just, just stroll right into town. So as they begin this journey into Jerusalem, his disciples and his followers begin to shout out these, um, well, from Psalm 118, this, from this Hillel pra, uh, praise, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. And that, again, is a reference to John chapter 12 with Lazarus being raised from the dead. Not just that, they're also rejoicing in these wonderful miracles. They've seen him divide, multiply fish and multiply bread and feeding 4,000 plus, then 5,000 plus, calming the sea. And when they were in the boat, the disciples themselves, and it felt like they were going to go down multiple occasions, he, he rebuked the wind and he calmed the seas. And they've seen him do these crazy, miraculous things. Just time after time after time. They have a reason to celebrate, and they're going to celebrate. So what starts off, and and more specifically for the disciples, they kind of get who he is. And I say kind of because it's going to tell us later on in the Gospel of John, it tells us that, and Jesus even told him, he's like, look, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to remind you of all these things that I said and that I did, and then the light bulb will go on for you, Okay. So they get it. They're like, Zechariah 9.9, this is like the fulfillment of that prophecy. And they're, they're praising him as a king, as he deserves, because they've seen all the miraculous things he's done. So they're throwing down the garments, and then, and then here comes the, um, the Hosannas, right? Verse 36, or verse 38, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven, or uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Give salvation now. Give, that's technically what that means. Give salvation now. So they're making this great proclamation. I mean, even if it's more than likely it's the only parade happening on Palm Sunday, it's going to be eye-catching and people are going to hear this. So even people who are just venturing into the, into the city, they're going to hear this, this Hosanna, Hosanna, and it's going to catch their attention because they're all waiting on the Messiah. They're all waiting on this guy. And they all know, like, that phrase, give salvation now, is directly connected to the Messiah. And so they're hearing this. And so they're going to, the, the excitement's going to, it's going to be contagious. And they're going to start shouting out the same thing. And, and, and like I said, the crowd will grow as the procession gets closer to Jerusalem. The crowd will grow. And spectators will, will start chiming in, and, and they'll, they'll begin shouting out the same thing. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Or, um, you know, the, they, they're referencing, other gospels reference that, he, you know, he, he's part of David's um, king lineage. And it's building, and it's building, and it's building, and people are celebrating they're probably dancing around now. They got the palms, which all the palm trees are right there, you know, the date palms and everything. They're all right there. They can chop down those small little branches, and they're waving those things around. That's a symbol of, like, peace and also can be a symbol of victory as well. But you can feel like, I mean, it's just growing. It's growing to, to where it becomes to the point where the religious leaders take notice of this. And, and then that's when you get a problem, right? They're like, there's too much celebration. And they know who Jesus is. They've been wanting to kill Jesus for a while now. 
So they've had their eye on Jesus and they're watching him as he's making this procession into Jerusalem on this specific day. They're totally missing it because they can't see past anything. They, all they see is Jesus as a threat. And then they're gonna be the ones who next shout out, verse 39, some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Rebuke them, tell them to be quiet. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're, saying, they're giving this, this praise to you. You need to stop this right now. And Jesus' response to the religious leaders of the day, if they keep quiet, the very stones along the road, these very stones, as the New Living Translation says, would burst out into cheers. The very stones themselves would cry out. And I could imagine at that point in time for the Pharisees, the religious leaders, it's almost like, well, which do you want? You want the people crying out? Or do you literally want some of these stones to start break, busting out in song um, and crying out these very things? Because that's probably what would have happened. And that wouldn't have been good for the Pharisees. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And be like, oh, man, like, no, no, let's go back to the crazy people. Let's go back to them. This is looking bad against who? Against us. Because we're spreading the lies about this one man who is causing problems for us. This one guy, Jesus, keeps messing up. I'm going to use this term. I know it doesn't apply, but I'm going to use this term. He keeps messing up church. Jesus keeps messing up church. So we need to get him out of here. We need to get rid of him. That, that is the danger of legalism. That is the danger of religion. The problem religion has is that Jesus keeps messing up church. And you're like, seriously? And he does. And he should. And he should. He should mess up this thing. Because it belongs to him. It belongs to him. And here he is showing up when he's supposed to show up at the right moment, at the right time, and he is literally, literally checked off everything from the Messiah checklist. And all these religious leaders know that. There is no disputing it. You cannot dispute him. One of their very own left their team to join his team. His name is Nicodemus. He did it in the middle of the night. John chapter three, he sought Jesus out. He became a Christ follower. We know that because he's at the end of the story too when Jesus dies. Some of those guys, they all saw the same thing. It resonated in the hearts of a few, like a Nicodemus. But the rest of these guys are like, they're just so blind and there's, there's just such a, an animosity and hatred towards Jesus. The guy who checked off all of your boxes, he's the one you're waiting for. And here he is coming into your town on this specific day recorded in history. And you can't even see him because you're so blinded. You're so blinded by religion and by le just the, the legality and the you know, legalism and all that good stuff. They're just, and they, it's, it really is their, their hatred towards him. And, and here's part of why they, they don't like this guy that much. Um, number one, he has already caused problems with him concerning the temple. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from God's Word on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has been teaching through a series called The Road to Redemption. As you learn about the journey and progression that led Jesus to the cross, you come to humbly appreciate what Jesus was willing to step into for you. Why on earth would he agree to such a torturous path that would ultimately lead to his imminent death? Well, if the story only ended on the cross, it would be no story. It'd just be history. But the story carries on because Jesus' death meant life for all. His sacrificial death took the sins of all that no one else could bear. But because Jesus is God, he didn't just stay dead with your sins. He conquered death, proving that he's stronger than death, which makes you free from the debt of sin. That's such a relief, isn't it? Are you familiar with this narrative, or is this all new information for you today? Well, if you have questions, would you get in touch with us? Go to breadforthebroken.com and fill out the form under the contact tab. We'd be happy to follow up with you on what you heard in today's message. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this series or other books of the Bible, you can also do this at our website, breadforthebroken.com. With that, our time with... With that, our time with you has come to an end today, but join us again next time as Pastor James shares more in this series called Road to Redemption. Jesus didn't come to redeem just a select few. He came to save you too. So be encouraged and inspired by what you hear on Bread for the Broken.